0: Those of you going to class, feel free to do so at this time. Those in the sanctuary, remain standing if you would, please. And I'm just going to jump right into the word this morning. And I'm going to ask you to turn your Bibles to Revelation chapter number three. Revelation chapter number three, beginning in verse number 14. Revelation chapter three, verse number 14. We find the following and unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write." Or we could interpret that, unto the pastor of the church of the Laodiceans write. These things saith the amen. Who's the amen? Jesus Christ our Lord. The faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. That's who he is this morning. He says, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot, I would that thou were cold or hot, so then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich in white raiment and that thou mayest be closed and that thy shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thy eyes with salve, that thou mayest see as many as I love I rebuke and chasten be zealous therefore and repent behold I stand at the door and knock If any man, tell your neighbor, say, if any man. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him. And I will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcome will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame. And I'm set down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto me the churches for a few moments verse number 20 today behold I stand at the door and knock if any man hear my voice and open the door I will come in to heal for a subject matter this morning if the Lord would help me we're going to pray on living in the danger zone we're gonna preach for a moment we're gonna pray right now dear Heavenly Father we love you we thank you we praise you this morning Thank you for your word, which is alive, quick, and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword. Father, I pray that we would not just have ears to hear, but we would have hearts that would be open to respond today in Jesus' name. And the church says, amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord this morning. For our subject today, I want us to turn to verse number 20. As I've shared with you just a moment ago, behold, I stand at the door. And I knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to heal. I believe this morning it's important that we point out that this passage of scripture is an actual letter that was written to a specific group of people, really, written to the headship of the Laodicean church we know it is one of the seven letters that was written to the seven churches of Asia Minor. Every one of these churches is addressed specifically and we know that it's dealing with specific issues. But it's ironic at the end of each letter that we read, we find that it says pay attention to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. So it's not just for one body of people. He's addressing a need a situation for each body, but also he was giving other churches the insight of saying, let this not happen to you in the present or in the future. We find that it was written to the church of the Laodiceans in all accounts. It appears to us when we read it in its form today, it appears that while they saw themselves in one manner, God saw them much differently. I wonder this morning, it's just a question, wonder if God sees us how we see us. Just a question. One of the key statements of this passage is found in verse number 15. He says, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. May I remind us that we are serving an all-knowing God. John chapter 18 verse 4 says, Jesus therefore knowing all things. He doesn't know some things, but he knows all things. That means he knows the true condition of, or the state in which we find ourselves in. While we may think we know, oftentimes we don't really know. We know according to the words of God that we know in part is what Paul writes. He says that we prophesy in part, we see in part, but he said there will be a day that we will see clearly and completely. That day is not yet come. He then goes on to find that in Revelation, in this passage that we read together, not only does we, do we find in verse number 15, I know thy works, but he begins to expound on what he sees concerning the church of the Laodiceans. In verse number 17, he says, you say that you're rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. However, he said, that's what you believe. But I know the truth. And what I know is this, that you're wretched, you're miserable, you're poor, you're blind, and you're naked. I think I can sum that up in saying this. He's looking at them saying, You are in a place where you have been deceived. Please hear me. Notice it is not in malice, but it is out of mercy that this letter is written and he lays everything out before them. Verse number 16, he says, so then because thou art lukewarm, neither cold nor hard, I will spew thee out of my mouth. That's simply a nice way of saying I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because he's simply saying there is some things that are just not acceptable. There's some things I just can't receive. I handed Jackson some kind of cocoa cereal stuff yesterday and said try that and he put it in his mouth for about Three seconds, and the next thing I know, it's rolling out of his mouth. It, it wasn't acceptable. It wasn't able to be received in the manner that it was. Maybe if we'd put it in milk, it might have been a different story. But the way it was in his current condition, he had no desire. He said, I can't receive it. It doesn't, it, it doesn't fit the mold. Lukewarm, what does that really mean? We often know, all oh, well, it's just mid-temperature. And yes, it does. It's moderately warm, but it also means this. It means showing or having little zeal or enthusiasm. How much zeal do you have this morning? How much enthusiasm do you have this morning? I'm not talking about when your boy was catching the ball and getting a touchdown. I know you got plenty of enthusiasm then, but I'm talking about when it comes to the house of God. He clearly tells them, I cannot embrace you in your current condition. While one may ask, it must be told even though it's not popular, while you and I can come to God as we are, we cannot remain as we are. There's a difference. He says, come unto me, all you that are laboring and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, come. And that invitation is still for all of us today. But Paul addresses the church because how many knows that when we have accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, this building is not the church, but you and I become the church. We are the temple of God. But then as we become the church, there is things that's required. Yes, there's a maturing process. Yes, there's a sanctifying process. Yes, there's a development process that all of us go through. But Paul writes to the church at Corinth and he says this, Wherefore come out from among them, be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. What he's saying is there is some things that cannot be embraced or accepted by me. And one thing that cannot be accepted is a lukewarm believer. You can come as a cold-blooded sinner or a hot-blooded sinner, but you can't be a lukewarm Christian You can do all the things you want to do. You can go through every religious activity. You can check every religious box of our society. And you can deceive yourself and say, I'm going to heaven because everybody that dies goes to heaven now. And I'm not trying to be mean or cruel, but I'm going to tell you something. Not everybody does. And we have been led to believe that everybody, well, I gave my heart to the Lord when I was six years old. Well, that's wonderful. But what have you done since then? Lord, you probably wish you had a different preacher this morning. Just stay with me. It'll get a little better. There are things required of us if we are to experience him as our father. Luke chapter nine twenty three simply says this. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. How many knows if you're going to do something daily, it requires somebody to have some zeal and some passion and some determination. It don't require too much of us to get up and be here on Sunday morning. But it requires a whole lot of us to stand and face the devil on Tuesday afternoon when the choir's not singing and the preacher's not preaching and we take authority on behalf of our family. Somebody better have some zeal. Somebody better have some passion. Somebody better have some determination. I can tell you this. I have siblings as well as myself. We're still here because my mama and my daddy was still touching God at 3 o'clock in the morning on Thursday. A person or an institution that is lukewarm, please hear me, is unattractive as well as unusable in the sight of God. I don't care how attractive it is in the eyes of men. But you and I today need to understand it leads us into the place where this this letter has been written to the Laodicean church and the leaders of it. In verse number 18, it takes us to this plea. He says, I counsel thee to buy of me. What he's saying is this, what you're buying of currently is not producing what you think it is. In the natural, it may appear that you don't have need of anything. In the natural, it seems like everything is good right now. But can I tell you, what you see right now is just a vapor on the scope of eternity. And it really doesn't matter about the moment. What matters is about the lifetime. Uh, And can I tell you, while there is defining moments, uh, listen, uh, you can think everything is well right now, friend, uh, but it's not really well if it's not well in his sight. Please hear me. He goes on and says, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich. He wants you to be prosperous. He wants you to be healthy. He wants you to be filled uh, to the brim, so to speak. But he wants you to walk in white raiment uh, that thou mayest be clothed. And he doesn't want the shame of your nakedness to appear. He also wants your eyes to be able to see. He says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. The whole purpose of this letter was to awaken them to the truth concerning their current condition, that they would find a place of repentance. His love towards them is the reason for his bold speech towards them. Can I say this? If you love somebody, you will tell them the truth, right. mm-hmm. even if it hurts. They found themselves evaluating themselves based on what they knew, based on their natural senses. Can I tell you what will get you in trouble? Is your five natural senses will get you in trouble. That's why a very wise man, inspired by the Holy Spirit, wrote these words in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not unto thy own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Notice Paul writes to, in Romans chapter 8, verse number six, the following, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Please hear me. They said we are rich and increased with goods, We have everything we need. I've made this statement and I've asked this question in recent weeks with multiple people is what is it that you and I in America really need God for right now? Most of you this morning when you opened up your closet, clothes was falling out. You went to your kitchen and you have cupboards that are overflowing. You probably have a little bit of money in your bank account. Some of you probably have some in a savings account. You got five cars. You got a garage full of toys. I'm rich increased with goods. Need nothing. But what does God say? For those of visiting come back next week. It'll be a lot better. I have a question. How did they get here? The Laodiceans, they, at one point they was worshiping the one true God, but now everything else is taking precedence. How did they get here? In the United States of America just a short while ago, in the midst of our poverty, hear me, In our midst of just trying to make it as a nation. The Great Depression and other times in our history. Didn't know how things was going to turn out. But oh, we was turned and our face was turned towards the Lord. And healing virtue was flowing. Sinner men and women would gather outside the local building and listen to the preacher even though they didn't want to go in the house. Now, just a few years later, by our nation's standard, the church is no longer essential. It's closed more days than it's open. But yet we say we are increased with goods and have deed of nothing. Nothing. We traded our potbelly stoves and our garages with oil-stained floors and hard chairs for padded pews and air-conditioned and state-of-the-art equipment. Oh, we're blessed. But can I tell you, our children are dying and going to hell. Our nation is crumbling around us. Maybe you don't understand, but not that far away from here, a city just outside of Dearborn, Michigan, this week, a city council voted to make animal sacrifice legal. Hear me. I'm not talking about Iran and Turkey and other individuals, but I'm talking about the United States of America I'm talking about the nation where its citizens stand and put its hands over its heart and says, one nation under God. But we're rich. We're increased with goods and we need nothing. Really. Will we awaken when we start? Oh, we're already done that, aren't we? We've done that for, we've done 70 million almost. Now it's not even enough. We're going to continue to crucify babies 28 days after they're born. God help us this morning. I tell you how they found themselves in this condition. They found themselves in this state because of a heart problem. God said you're wretched. You're, you're in an unfortunate state. You're in a state of where this. You have poor quality. Now, I'm not preaching to the world today, but I am preaching to the church. Can I tell you this morning, and I'm doing this out of love, and I pray that you hear my heart. But when I look at the church in America today, we are not in an excellent status, but we're of poor quality. Because all we can do is tell a generation of how it used to be. Your children never saw anybody shout under the power of God. Your grandchildren have never witnessed somebody miraculously be healed in the sanctuary. You don't know what it is to hear a holy hush come into the sanctuary. But oh, we're spirit-filled. Oh, are we really? We're filled with spiritual apathy. I'll trade places with anybody this morning because this isn't easy. He went on to say, you're wretched, you're in a poor, pitiful state, you're of poor quality. Oh, and by the way, you're also miserable, you're poor, you're blind, you're naked. Why is it today that we have a problem with depression in the church? I'll tell you why. Because we have a heart problem. Why is it that we're poor? I'm not talking about in the material things, but in the spiritual aspect. Why are we poor? It's because of a heart problem. Why is it that we're blind, why we can't see the Great Commission? Why is it that 80% of the people that go to the church in America today says, I've never heard the, re- the name uh, the Great Commission? Why is there no vision? It's a heart problem. Our failure to trust in him with all of our heart And all of our decisions to do what we think is right instead of allowing him to direct our paths, please hear me, leads us to a place where the Laodiceans found themselves. It's called a place of deception. They failed to even see that their decisions had caused them to transition into something that God was not able to be part of. Even though, get this, they were still gathering in his name. The Laodicean church was not gathering under the name of Baal. They was not gathering under the name of any other idol god. They were still gathering under the name of God. We come in and out of the house of God in America today, and we're still gathering under the name of God, but yet our heart is far from him. We see in our text a very troubling scene. Notice with me, Revelations 3 and 20, once again, he says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. I I have a hard time with this because the man that created the church, the one that is the chief cornerstone of the church, uh, he's outside the church knocking on the door saying, somebody let me in what I built. This should be so disturbing to you and I this morning. Uh, Can I tell you that when you start looking at 1 Peter chapter 2 verse number 6, he is the chief cornerstone. Uh, If you was to read Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 20 and the following, you'll find that he's the head cornerstone. He's the chief cornerstone. What what am I saying is this. Notice with me in this hour there are those that are still meeting in his name, uh, singing in his name, uh, proclaiming his name, uh, even preaching in his name, uh, but he isn't dwelling with them. Why Uh, is the question that must be asked uh, is because they are lukewarm. Uh, They have no zeal. uh, They have no power. They have no passion for his kingdom. Uh, Can I tell you it's not acceptable any longer. Uh, You and I today if we're going to change a world, uh, if we're going to reach a family, if we're going to touch Connorsville, Indiana, somebody's going to have to begin to burn with passion again. Somebody's going to have to lay between the porch and altar. Somebody's going to have to not just fast and pray 21 days at the beginning of the year, but every day of their life's got to be given to prayer. Times and seasons of their life throughout the whole year's got to be set aside for the things of God. I'm not talking about a workspace religion, I'm talking about a church that is on fire for the kingdom of God. How is it that we can lay our head down on our pillow every night knowing that 125,000 step into hell while we sleep? and we don't shed a tear? How is it that we're okay with our most innocent being slaughtered before they ever get to live? How is it that we can come and be satisfied by singing a song and checking a box while our world is dying and going to hell? Hear me this morning. We are living in a danger zone. We think it's okay, but it's not okay in the eyes of God. Church, we must not miss this. While he is writing to the leadership of the church, he was saying this, he makes it very clear, if any man will hear my voice, most of you are listening, but I don't know how many of you are hearing me this morning. And I don't say this in a mean manner, but I don't need everybody to hear me. I just need one to hear me. Because if any man will hear my voice and will open the door, he said, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Notice he has addressed the body and the condition in which it was, uh, but he said, let me focus on what makes up the body. Can I tell you it is man man that was created in his likeness and his image. It is man if he will hear his voice and if he will open the door he says there can be a restoration. He said if somebody will just allow me to come back in I can bring a restoring to the people of God. Listen it's not doom and gloom this morning but it is a responsibility for every one of us in this room. Your children are not going to experience God just because they hear a message but what they will and when they will experience God is when mommy and daddy decides to get a hold of the God and hear for himself and then by faith open the door and say our home will be a godly home we will pray we will fast we will stay in the word listen don't expect somebody to do it for you but God says I just need a man I just need a man that will hear me but then we'll have the courage and the boldness to open the door. I want to talk to some men in this room today. Quit letting your wife be the leader of your spiritual application for your family. I need a man to be a man. Shake off the feminine stuff and I need you to put on your armor and I need you to be masculine for your family. I need you to say this is where we're going into the presence of God. Preach on, preacher. Tell your neighbor he's not mad. He's not mad. He's just burdened by the Holy Spirit to tell you that we're living in a danger zone this morning. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne. What's he saying? What he's saying is this, to the one that will hear, to the one that will overcome all of the stuff in the moment, for the one that will, push, that, that will push through the garbage and will take authority. He said, I will grant him access to sit with me as I sit with my father. I'm hurrying this morning. May I talk to us for a moment About this little word that we find in verse number 20 if he said if any man if any man will hear I I wonder if anybody can hear this morning notice if you were to read in the gospel of Luke chapter number 12 35 through 37 you would read this passage that simply says, Let your lawns be girded about and your lights burning, that yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, that they may open unto him immediately. You say, Why is that important? Because the following verse, verse 37, says, Blessed are those servants. How many in here would like to have the blessings of God? Okay. Those of you that didn't raise your hand, you're lying. All of us want the blessings of God, right? But you can't be a blessed servant of God unless, first of all, you're willing to immediately open the door to him. So what does that look like for you and I as individuals? It really means this, living a radical life for Christ. Going back to the scripture that I referenced earlier. Picking up your cross daily and following him. Please hear me. We also find in the Gospel of John, chapter number 10, notice this. He that entereth in by the door, in verse number 2 and 3, he is the shepherd of the sheep. Say, why is that important? It's because at the very end of that, he simply, he's the one that leads them out. How many knows there's some things we need to be out of today? We need to be out of complacency. We need to be out of apathy. We need to be out of just having a form and having no power. We need to be out of just waiting on something to happen, but we need to be in the midst of the fire where things are happening. We need to be let out of some things. The only way we're let out of that is if we open the door to the shepherd because he is the only one that has the ability and authority to do so. Church, I'm here to tell you and I this morning that no matter the situation we're currently in, If you will hear his voice and open the door, he will step in. And when he does, everything changes. Everything. The call has gone forth. The knocking is taking place. He is at the door patiently waiting for any man to open unto him. I wonder if you and I might just be the ones willing to open. You say, is it really that important? I really believe it is. A few weeks ago, I shared with those of you that was in this room with me about what I experienced and what I felt and what I saw spiritually on November the 16th when I was alone with the Lord. I shared with you that I saw three waves of glory throughout this year. I believe sincerely in my time of prayer and alone with the Lord. I believe that the unlocking of that first wave of glory is by when men and women just will immediately in their spirit. Begin to get the urgency and see that where we're at currently is not acceptable. And where they will begin to open the door unto him again. The truth is unless we hear. Unless we respond to the knock at the door. We are on a collision path with hell. I am over the cuteness in the platforms of America. I turned a church service on just last evening, and it's happened multiple times. People full of charisma. Full of entertainment value. Getting everybody hyped and all of these things. I'm not against whatever. Use whatever method you got to use. I understand that. But what I have a problem with is when a man of God, and I'll put that in quotations, or a woman of God, thinks they have to use cuteness to try to be relevant and to start using slang words in the platform. And then expect God to bless it. I have a problem with that. And it's a new fad and it's happening continually. Because we want somebody to chuckle or laugh to think that we're cutting edge. Listen, I'm not here to be cutting edge. I'm here to be truthful with you. That God doesn't accept lukewarmness. As much as I want you sitting in this house on Sundays and Wednesdays and whenever else we can be here. As much as I want you to be engaged and involved, listen. You're fooling yourself and I'm fooling myself if we think of what we do is going to validate our entrance into heaven. Listen. Some mighty men before us had great spiritual insight concerning our day. And what they prophetically said, we now are witnessing and living. He and his grace and mercy is still knocking at our door. If any man. Do you realize the impact that your yes could have potentially on your family? I want to be real with you, and I know I'm, I know I'm probably ruffling feathers, but your spouse will comb them back down when you leave, Okay. What gives us the right to say that, oh, we're called of God. But then we just operate in that calling when it's convenient for us. I'm a minister of the gospel, but I'm okay if I only minister four times a year. Really? I'll be honest with you. I've done a lot of things in my life. And as much as sometimes I'd like to resign and do something different, I can't. Because it's the only thing that pushes me and keeps me alive. I couldn't do anything else at this stage of my life. I couldn't do anything else. Because it's this burning passion that the world has got to know Jesus. My family has got to experience Jesus. As much as I love spending time with little man over here, even in that time with him, I'm trying to instruct him to worship the one true God. In the midst of our craziness and being silly, we're still worshiping, praising God. It's not something you turn on and off, folks. If you think you can start turning it on and off, then you start becoming lukewarm. Listen, the psalmist wrote in Psalms chapter 3, he said, I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. He said, I laid me down, and I slept, and I awakened, for the Lord sustained me. He realized it was nothing in himself. He said, what let me sleep and what let me wake up is the Lord. He said, I will not be afraid. Get this, of 10,000s of people that have set themselves against me round about because of the simple fact he realized that my God is my provision. He is my protector. He is my everything. Do you understand that's the kind of God you're serving this morning? The psalmist goes on and writes, and he says this, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Psalms 91. But when you get down to verse 7 of that chapter, it says this, A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand. How is that? It's because he realized this. When I'm walking with him, if I'm supping with him, and he is with me, If I'm sitting on the throne with him, then there is no power, there is no devil, there is nothing that's able to separate me from the love of God. Notice with me. People are so wishy-wash because their lukewarmness. uh, And it's, well, I don't know, I don't know. Listen, uh, I don't know what's going to happen the remainder of this day in my life. Uh, I may get a tragic phone call uh, this week. I don't know. uh, But no matter what happens, uh, I will stand steadfast, unmovable, uh, abounding in the work of the Lord uh, because I know this, that he is good, uh, that he is great, uh, and he is mighty. You come too late to tell me uh, that he is not able to take little uh, and make it much. So quit gauging what you see on the surface with your senses and say, well, I just don't know how we're going to do it. Uh, I'll tell you how we're going to do it. Uh, We're going to do it arm in arm with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Uh, not by might, not by power, but by the Holy Ghost. Uh, And I know that's not popular in the Church of America today. Uh, We've got proper and said Holy Spirit and holy this and holy that. Uh, But listen, uh, I'm here to tell you there is still the anointing uh, of the power of the Holy Ghost. Uh, that is able to shake foundations of demonic powers uh, and we're able to walk with power and authority. And I don't need everybody, I just need one. Uh, Listen, uh, I just need an Abraham that will become a father of nations. Uh, I just need a Noah that will save his family. Uh, I just need a Moses that will deliver a nation. Uh, I just need a Joshua that will lead somebody into their promise. Uh, I just need a Daniel that will change a culture uh, and will cause a lion to sleep. Uh, I just need a Peter to walk on water that'll stand by the power of the Holy Ghost and say, thus saith the Lord. I just need a John to get in the spirit on the Lord's day on the Isle of Patmos. I just need 120 to get in an upper room and stay there till God speaks to them. Please hear me. It's time to get out of the danger zone uh, and get back into the power zone uh, where God is living and dwelling in our lives. But the question is, will we just take a moment and say yes to the knock at the door as they come to the piano this morning? Please hear me. Why, preacher? Why, preacher? It's because there's a generation that's dying lost this morning. Why is it that this little thing is in the small of your back and keeps pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing? It's because there's a nation in crisis today that needs, that needs to have an encounter With our God. Notice. You and I today. Hold the key. To changing. Our community. And our family. If I was preaching to the sinner. This morning. I would say come as you are. But I'm preaching to the church. And tell you you got to quit coming as you are because God says it's not acceptable how can you say that preacher James writes and says when you know to do right and you choose not to do it it becomes sin unto you there's individuals today in America they know to do right They choose not to do right They choose to allow their senses and their lustful desires to control them instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to continue the work of sanctification in their life. I heard a gentleman say this and it's so true. He said you'll never have authority over the things that you allow to entertain you. I want to be very honest and bold this morning. We're allowing the very things that we want to defeat to entertain us. And then we try to take authority over it. It doesn't work. There's a place of power, there's a place of authority that all of us could walk and enter. Some of you are in the house of the Lord this morning. And you don't want to acknowledge it this morning. But I want, to, I want to say this with love this morning. You keep coming to this house and houses just like it. You surf the web and you find your favorite preacher. and You listen to them continually. You even send your dollars to support ministries. Praise the Lord for that. But you're under the sound of my voice this morning and you're wretched, you're miserable, you're poor, you're blind, and you're naked. And I know what I'm getting ready to say could come across in the wrong manner, so please don't allow the enemy to twist my words in your ears this morning. I'm no scholar, but I have logged thousands and thousands and thousands of hours along with God in his word, in prayer and meditating. And Here's what I've come to conclude. If Gabriel's trumpet was to sound right now, most church houses would not empty out. because they're filled with lukewarm people everything else is a priority you're gifted you're called but you use none of your gifts or your talents for the kingdom well when I get in a better position preacher then I'll be able to help you more really well when I get through this financial deal then I'll be up no no listen if you don't do it now you never will We do what's important to us. Obviously, souls going to hell is not important to us because we're comfortable doing what we do. I tossed and turned on my bed all night last night. I wish it could be different. I pray that it could be different. But the reality is it's not different until I open the door. How tragic. How tragic. For us to come and sing songs. Talk about his name. Give your heart on running, just to still not to be with him. You say you're making it sound too hard. No, I'm not making it sound too hard at all. Making it sound real this morning. There was ten virgins. Five were wise and five were foolish. They all had a lamp. but only five of them thought it was important to have some oil please hear me this morning I don't care how beautiful your lamp is I just need your lamp to have oil in it I don't care how polished your lamp is I just need it to have oil in it I don't care how attractive it is is I don't care how many pearls is on the outside of it I don't care how luxury of a lamp you have. I just need your lamp. It can be battered. It can be beaten. It can be rusty. Listen, it don't matter. It just needs to have some oil in it. Because there was a cry that went forth. The bridegroom comes. They all awakened. They all wanted the same thing. Here's the reality. You might be sitting beside the most spiritual person in America today. But you cannot look to them and say, can I have some of your oil? It don't work that way. You have to do what they did. Hear his voice. Open the door. And allow him to sit with you. And when you do, everything changes. Your appetite changes, your desires change, your focus changes. You begin to be consumed with advancing his kingdom instead of building your own kingdom. This morning, I know it's a solemn assembly. you're living in a danger zone. This may be the last message you ever hear this preacher preach. Do you realize how many 50 year old people died this week? You don't have to be old to die. I mean every time I get a news flash on my phone on the app somebody else has died and somebody else has died and somebody else has died and I'm like wow there's an acceleration the hearts of men are failing could it be your heart next I'm just asking I pray you have lots of years left I don't know every day First responders pass my house, lights and sirens. Another accident on the same road you're driving. Who's to say today's not that day for you? I pray it's not. Hear me. I'm not trying to get you to a place where you leave out of here discouraged and full of fear, but I'm trying to get you to a place this morning where you hear the voice of God say, I'm knocking. I'm knocking. I want to be in there, I want to be with you, and I want you to sit with me, and I want my glory to fill this house, but more importantly, I want my glory to fill this house. but you have to open to me. Don't fool yourself this morning. Can I remind you he knows all things? He knows everything. Your spouse may not know. Your children may not know. Your preacher may not know. But he knows. It's a danger zone. But I've got good news this morning. You don't have to stay there. Just one turn of a doorknob. Can release you from that place of danger, and you can walk into a place of peace and rest and strength. He paid for you to have that. I opened a little Christmas gift yesterday. Y'all, yeah, Christmas still goes on at my house in January. I got me a little rubber bracelet yesterday from my little great nephew out of Kentucky he'd be proud I'm wearing it today I said I can't believe you're making me wear Kentucky colors but okay but I opened this and he said I got blisters making that he hot glued this thing somehow and he made one for all of us I said you got blisters for making that he said and I still got them Can I tell you, he still has his scars in his hands and his feet. He paid a great price for you to have peace. He paid a great price for you to have life. He paid a great price for you to have healing and deliverance today. And he's still got scars to prove it. It's pretty here but there's little blisters on a little seven-year-old boy's fingers in Kentucky so I could wear it today. Think about it. And you want to sit in a danger zone where you just don't know? But he says, you can sit with me. Think about it. You can sit with me. I'm not talking about sitting with anyone. I'm talking about sitting with the king of kings and lord of lords this morning. As we stand all over this house. I wonder. I wonder is there anybody. That say I'd like to sit with him today. See there isn't a delay in this thing. You don't have to become super spiritual before you can sit with him. He just simply says, if any man will hear my voice and will open unto me, then I will step in and I will sup with him and he with me. For the one that overcomes, I will grant him access to sit in my throne. You say, why is it so important that I let him in? It's because notice this. And I'm closing. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple, Isaiah 6. I heard in the heavenlies a shout of worship and praise, In such a manner that it shook the doorpost of the temple. But what's so amazing is I saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. His train. You have to understand the history of it. We preached that message some years ago. He caught a glimpse of what it was. On the train was anything and everything you could name and mention was attached because you have to understand when a king would go out to battle and he would conquer a king, what he would do, he would cut the train of that robe off of the king that he defeated and he would bring it home and he would have his kingdom sewed onto his train. So when Isaiah saw Jesus high and lifted up on that train, he saw cancer. He saw sugar diabetes. He saw heart disease. He saw every addiction you could think of, every demonic stronghold you could think of because at Calvary, every one of those things was defeated. That's why the train filled the temple. So when you let him step into your life, you're letting everything that he's carrying come with him. So when you open the door and let him come in, your miracle comes, your provision comes, your deliverance comes, uh, your hope comes, your peace comes. uh, I wonder, is there anybody in this room that needs a little bit of something from God this morning? You'd say, I, I, I... I'm a little lukewarm. I don't have the passion, I don't have the zeal. But you say, I I don't want to walk out that way this morning. I want you to step from your seat right now and come to the front of this building. I don't care who you are. This is not a place of judgment this morning. This is a place of getting it right. I want to get you out of a danger zone before we leave. Is there anybody? I don't know who you're waiting on, is there anybody? You say, I want out of the danger zone this morning. I want you to come right now. God bless you, my brother. Is there others? Listen, this is serious business. I fought every devil in hell this morning as I'm preaching. I'm going to tell you something. The honesty and the transparency is what brings about deliverance. The opening of the door is what brings freedom to your family. It turns a community upside down. I'm going to stay here for a moment. You're not responding to me. You're responding to the preached word of God this morning. Listen, you're not going to hurt my feelings whether you come or not. Listen, I'm a big boy. I can handle it. But I'm going to tell you something. I did my job this morning. I'm just telling you right now, you just need to come because you're in a dangerous place. I know I'm talking to more people than what's up here. I appreciate that they come but I'm going to tell you something I don't know what your week looks like I don't know what the unexpected thing is and I don't preach like this often but I know when God pushes me but I'm telling you there's some things coming down the road uh, that this, this, this soft petty Christianity is not going to sustain you and it's not going to keep you uh, but I need somebody to get radical for Jesus in this house today your very life is in, in, in the balance do you understand that? I'm not begging, but I am pleading because he's still knocking. He's knocking. I don't care if you've went to church 30 years, listen, that's not the answer. Maybe you're under the sound of my voice and you're away from God this morning. Can I tell you, he loves you and he says, come as you are, but you hear this preacher, he don't want you to live a lukewarm life. He wants you to be radically following him. I want you to come this morning. This is a good way to live. This is joy unspeakable and full of glory. Listen, I'm blessed because I follow after him. This ain't a hard life to live, no sir. This is a rewarding life to live. Don't you believe those lies of the enemy? This is a good way to live. I need some men of God and women of God to come and stand behind these that are here this morning. I want you to lay hands on them. I want you to begin to pray. I want you to pray. Those of you that come, I want you to just simply lift your hands and say, God, I'm opening the door to you right now. Lord, you know I love you. Lord, you know I'm after you. But Lord, I'm opening the door. And I believe believing God's getting ready to meet you right now in the name of Jesus. Oh God, Lord, as those that are standing, we lift you high today. Lord, as they stand with their hands lifted this morning, Lord, we speak words of life over them. Lord, I just speak a word of release over them. Anything that would keep them from being what you've called them to be. Anything that would keep them uh, from embracing the call of God in their life. Uh, anything that would keep them Lord, from being uh, sensitive to the leading of the Spirit in their life. Uh, Lord, I release them to be men of God. Uh, I release them to be spiritual leaders over their family. Uh, Lord, I release them to get out of the danger zone. Uh, Lord, by faith this morning, I make proclamation uh, that they are going to live and not die. Uh, They're going to walk with power uh, and authority. Uh, They're going to walk with the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost in their lives. Uh, They will not be defeated. Uh, But Father, I pray uh, Lord, as we stand together with the young and old alike, uh, Lord, I pray that the power and the anointing of the Lord will rest mightily upon them. Lord, I pray, uh, Lord, for there to just be a releasing of heaven's virtue over their lives today. Oh, God, we give you praise and glory. Oh, church, let's pray. Let's press in this morning.